listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Welcome inside to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have Delaware Blue Coats physical therapist, Lee Applequist. Lee, welcome on in. Yes, hi Chase. Thank you very much for having me here. All right, Lee. Um, kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, where you grew up um, and kind of what got you into sports PT in the first place. Okay, sure. Uh, so for starters, I was born in Seoul, South Korea. I uh, came to America when I was 10 months old and grew up in the mixture of Pennsylvania and Tennessee. Uh, my family is spread out across the uh, United States. And uh, after I left high school, I started out at the community college, get some courses out of the way. Then I transferred to East Stroudsburg University, where I majored in athletic training. And then I went on to get my uh, doctorate in physical therapy degree at Utica College in upstate New York. And uh, since then, pretty much a practice across uh, the country and the sports world, uh, college athletics. Team USA, the military, and the uh, typical uh, general uh, orthopedic outpatient clinics. Gotcha. So you've had quite a few stops in your journey, in your I guess rehab journey. Um, so kind of tell us what got got you uh, started on that. Like, did you always have PT school in mind, or uh, was that did that come later on after you finished athletic training? Yeah. So uh, I think that's really based on um, well, my uh, experiences in high school where. I knew I wanted to work in athletics uh, for sure because I wanted to combine, um, you know, my passion for sports, but also passion for exercise and the desire to help people move better and get better overall. And then, you know, I just didn't know how to get started because uh, that was pretty tricky for me, especially when you learn some of these biographies of people over the years. So then I went to a, uh, a few professional sports games with a few friends from high school in Philadelphia saw some specific players get injured and I thought wow that'd be really cool to work with these players to get him or her back to with their injuries uh, return to sports and just really help them in their career so I was really interested in the idea of becoming a the combination of a physical therapist and an athletic trainer in professional sports and uh, since then everything pretty much went uh, downhill asking a, a whole bunch of questions pursuing a lot of courses and going on from there gotcha um, and so I saw you mentioned a couple of the stops that you've had along your way in your PT and AT journey. Um, so some of the stops I saw were UNLV, um, the Erie Bayhawks, and uh, U.S. Air Force. So kind of touch a little bit on uh, what brought you to each of those different destinations and, um, you know, something you kind of took from each of those places. Okay, sure. So when I was at U, uh, UNLV, that came across uh, finding a, a job post and applying and getting interviewed. And uh, you know, as someone at UNLV uh, pretty much recognized uh, my name and where I went to school. So they interviewed me and I get, you know, they uh, apparently they liked me and, you know, offered me the job. So um, at UNLV, I was an athletic training intern, but also um, working as a physical therapist as well, um, as a licensed uh, clinician in Nevada where I worked with the football, men's basketball, and both men's and women's tennis teams. Um, so a lot of uh, my experiences there were practicing game coverage, 
also the rehab aspect and the uh, transition with helping the players go from, say, the athletic training room to the weight room and doing um, practices and in individual and your position group drills. So that was a lot of uh, pretty cool experiences that you don't really see in the clinic setting. And then uh, when I finished UNLV, uh, I went uh, back home. And, and then uh, when I was at home, I got a call from a classmate of mine to see if I was interested in applying for this job at the Erie Bayhawks. I did. Uh, apparently, they liked me, so God offered me the job as well. And then uh, towards the end of our season, uh, COVID broke out, and so we uh, didn't know what was going to happen to the sports world. So when our uh, uh, so I still wanted to pursue opportunities to become a better healthcare professional, and then uh, I got a call about this job with the Air Force, so I, I applied for that and interviewed for that and then got the job there, and uh, here we are. Gotcha. Um, so I want to talk about your time with the Bayhawks. Um, I saw that you were both a strength coach and a athletic trainer. So kind of tell us a little bit, um, you know, your role in each of those, like kind of how it broke down working with each of those athletes. Yeah, so, uh, so um, I would say start, let's go with the athletic training part first. So I would assist the head athletic trainer in doing practice and game coverage um, and at this, uh, with what you expect with that aspect. And then with rehab and human for strength and conditioning, it was really working along the lines of him modifying the lifts um, and then uh, making sure that that athlete could transition from the athletic training room to the weight room. And at the same time, uh, we would w collaborate with each other doing the on-court uh, uh, phases of doing the uh, return to play process. And that's also an opportunity for us to work with the position coaches to see all aspects of the return to play process. Gotcha. Um, and talk to us a little bit about um, your role with the U.S. Air Force. We, um, one of our prior guests, he works for, um, it was like a civilian working with the, like civilian contractors working with the military. Um, but kind of what was your role with the Air Force? Because that's, you know, something not a field-based sport. You know, there's your tactical athletes. So kind of tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So uh, I would say at that uh, job, I was working with the Air Force, the Marines, the Army, and the National Guard. So it was set up where you were in your typical PT clinic, um, but, uh, you know, you're working with tactical athletes, as you said. So a lot of it was what you would expect in the typical outpatient clinic. Uh, you know, the biggest difference was the patient population. So uh, for me, it was a, a very interesting experience and really serving a high cause and everything. You know, the biggest problem that it wasn't with uh, sports that I'm used to. So that was a, a great learning experience, um, you know, and, uh, and a lot of it was... Um, which you, like I said, expect in a typical outpatient clinic. Uh, I would say the trickiest part of, you know, with that job was learning all the different uh, fitness tests with all the different military branches because they are all very different from each other. <laughs> um, and just adjusting to the military lifestyle and, <laughs> uh, you know, within a couple, and you learn pretty quickly, say, sir and ma'am, with every single message or question that you ask, <laughs> that's for sure, <laughs> even when you're not military. Right. So, so uh, population wise, you know, these are pretty, you know, some of these people are very high, high, highly athletic. Uh, so what are some of like the different things that you would see, you know, between tactical and field athletes, like, I guess, diagnosis wise and population wise? Um, was there any like major differences that you saw? Yes, uh, that was, uh, yes. And that's basically because of the, uh, the mechanism of injury and the situation. So I, a lot of, I saw a lot of injuries related to deployment and mission-based injuries 
or like for example, I remember someone uh, injured their knee because they had to jump off a bridge because someone was shooting at them from across the bridge. So uh, obviously something very traumatic and um, you know physically and mentally. So you had to make sure you adapt to how you do the evaluation and plan of care compared to in a, a PT clinic, someone injured their knee from going up and down the stairs. Um, I would say those were the biggest differences. And um, mental health was, uh, I would say, another huge factor because um, not everyone uh, has the same type of services and how your unit is uh, formed um, in the chain of command that can play a, a pretty big difference in how someone would interpret um, words and question within each unit. That was, that's also a big factor as well. Right. Um, so you've, you've had quite a few stops on your, your rehab journey. Uh, so why is sports so fulfilling to you? You know, you said you went, you had this idea in your head when you were in high school. Um, so what's kind of kept you on this path for so long? Why is like, why is sports PT that, you know, your true calling, I, I guess you could say. Uh, for me, I would say it's a, a mixture of things. One, you, you know, you get the opportunity to help people move better. Uh, you can build long lasting relationships, really uh, demonstrate having a servant's heart with doing so. Uh, and at the same time, you learn new material as the sports world continuously advances. And for me, I would say it's also an opportunity for me to combine uh, my background in athletic training and physical therapy into one entity, in a sense. And it allows me to stay close to my roots. And it's something I've really enjoyed. And I want to keep going with that route and see where it takes me. Gotcha. All right, so we're going to go to where you are currently, um, your role with the Delaware Bluecoats. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit, you know, how that came about and kind of tell us a little bit more about what your job entails. Sure. Uh, so my current role is being the physical therapist for the team uh, when we're in the G League season. And then when the G League season is over, uh, I pretty much will assist the 76ers medical staff with their offseason duties. Um, so, uh, arranging things like with doing pre-draft workouts, covering the, uh, the NBA summer league, uh, any assistance in doing long-term rehab or, uh, anything logistics and administration wise, whatever, um, the medical staff uh, would need help with. But during the season is, uh, pretty much covering practices and games over leading the, uh, the charge in managing the rehab and medical, um, interventions throughout the season for sure while collaborating with uh, our head athletic trainer our uh, head and strength and conditioning coach our uh, coaching staff our operations staff our front office staff and all the on also other healthcare professionals such as physicians massage therapists uh so on from there gotcha um so in that larger sports med staff including all of those different positions you kind of listed before um, what's something that you found that makes this communication much easier? Cause you're probably working with multiple athletes at a time and you have to go talk to the trainer, the, the doc, you know, you might have to go talk to the mental health counselor. So what's the best way you kind of keep communication, um, clear to make sure everyone's on the same page for that athlete? Yeah, great question. So I think it depends on who I need to communicate with. So for example, our, our head athletic trainer, head strength and conditioning coach and I, we kind of, in a sense, share the same general workspace where everything is blended in together and we meet on a daily basis to go over each athlete, um, how he responded to treatments, the practices, the lifts, and on game, and on game days, we talk about the games and see if there was anything that stood out in terms of movement compensations, injuries, and so on from there. Uh, 
And then usually what happens after that is uh, we'll meet with our head coach, you know, give him, um, you know, our perspective on how things went. Um, so that way they can modify uh, their pra- their game plans or practice plans as well. And then it shoots up to the front office and, um, you know, anyone with the 76, the appropriate 76ers uh, personnel as well. And if we need to bring in someone from outside of our main staff, we'll usually, uh, you know, our head athletic trainer will usually communicate with that person. Usually it's our team doctors or, and those other people I mentioned. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. It's always interesting to kind of see how each organization kind of sets up their communication amongst the different professionals. Um, so that was a great answer. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, you're working, practicing games. So when you're, let's say you have an athlete that is, uh, acutely injured, you know, they tweak their knee, tweak their ankle the night before, um, and they have a game coming up. How does your, I guess, rehab process or your rehab thinking kind of change, you know, for that acute injury versus someone that is, um, a little bit more, has a more chronic injury, not necessarily surgically, but like more chronic nagging pains that's been going on. Okay. Yeah, sure. So um, really what it makes a, the biggest difference is, um, you know, how that player presents and the situation. So it's if we're at practice and someone tweaks their ankle, you know, we'll pretty much go with the evaluation and, you know, um, address what impairments we see there. And then we also weigh in, uh, you know, where we are. So, for example, if we have a game the following day or, say, a few days from now, that makes a big difference with, you know, how we will approach the plan of care there versus someone, let's say, has um, chronic ankle instability. Um, you know, what we'll do with that, those type of situations is uh, the head athletic trainer and I will co-evaluate that person. And then, um, you know, based on what we see there, we'll, you know, pretty much get started on a plan of care and then have that player uh, develop a routine, um, you know, just, uh, you know, strengthen like the common um, strength impairment deficits that we would typically see. And at the same time, we collaborate with our head strength and conditioning coach so he can modify his uh, strength and conditioning program. So that way it's like, literally adapted to each person individually. Gotcha. Um, you know, and so let's, let's, you know, kind of continue on that same train. So you're working with that chronically injured athlete and you're trying to get them back on the court. Let's say they've been out for you know, longer than a month now. Um, and so you're trying to make sure they get back into, you know, tip top shape to get back onto the court. Um, what are some of the things that you do or have learned over the years to kind of make sure the athlete is best prepared to be able to run as fast as they can and jump as fast as high as they can? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah. So it's really a mixture of things. It's, uh, one, uh, developing a routine to, uh, be consistent, with the uh, home exercise program. Um, aside from that is a lot of other things such as getting the proper nutrition, getting the right amount of sleep, making sure you have a really strong support system within the team, but also at the same time um, in your personal life. Um, and that I would say those are pretty big for stars. And then after that, I would think that, um, you know, how you manage your stress would be a huge factor as well. So we really look at a lot of factors and really try and go everything with a holistic approach with uh, getting that athlete back onto the court, uh, especially with something like a a chronic injury, because we know that um, a lot of those factors really can influence how someone would recover. And that's, of course, going to influence the daily uh, participation of your home exercise program and also the daily strength and conditioning um, workout sessions. 
Right. Um, so, you know, you've been around a lot of different sports PTs at your stops in your career. Um, so what's something that, you know, you see in a PT that makes you think, huh, that's, you know, that's a good sports PT and I, you know, something I want to emulate. Is there any specific, specific characteristics that you can, that come to mind? Yeah, I, I would say, um, one it's, I would say, well, I mean, not, not, not this one specifically that would lead everything else. It's kind of equal, but someone who can communicate well, demonstrate empathy, like I was saying earlier, have that, uh, you know, demonstrate that servant's heart, the, especially when it comes to helping his or her players overcome the worst part of their career, aka injuries and illnesses. Uh, they demonstrate excellent soft skills while collaborating with other medical and non-medical personnel. The continuous pursuit of professional development to that uh, he or she can use to contribute to the su success of that team. And paying it forward within his or her profession, the students, and of course the uh, communities. Gotcha. Um, and so, a more specific question that I have um, for anybody: a lot of the people that listen are, you know, aspiring sports PTs or currently sports PTs. Is there anything that you, you know, would recommend in particular trying to for people that are looking to, I guess, progress their skills or further, I guess, uh, I guess, open up their toolbox and have more tools in there? Uh, is there any recommendations for courses or different things that you would recommend for higher level sports? Sure. Um, I think for starters, this should be where, um, what is your, like your aspirations? Cause the interesting thing about physical therapy that has changed, um, over the years, even shoot, even since I left school is that physical therapists are breaking barriers into so many different settings and entities. Um, so I think, uh, that's what it comes down to. So, um, like for me, um, like one of the big things I'd like to learn more about is manual therapy. So that's ranging from your joint mobilizations, manipulations, the muscle energy techniques, but also at the same time, all the stuff that you can do to assist with your hands, such as um, uh, the cupping, the, the instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization, uh, or even like the, um, you know, a really big, I'm also a big uh, exercise fanatic. So anything along the lines with strength and conditioning, or even doing things along the lines of like blood flow restriction training. I would say that like, you know, knowing those type of things, would really help you a lot um, if you want to get into the sports world, but also at the same time, um, being in your um, your outpatient clinics because those um, you don't see those things usually in every clinic, and they would stand out a lot. And even um, you know, learning more about the movement strategies, um, a certification. So some examples of those are like doing like the Gray Institutes because they they go with a different approach or maybe even gain uh, more of a background and say the selectional function of movement assessment. Um, those are just some examples, but they're, they're all based on movement and how you can correct them um, and injury prevention. I would say those would also help you out a lot um, because your, uh, your eyes and hands say a lot about the, um, how you approach the evaluation process and of course the treatment approach. Right. Yeah. I think those are all things that, um, you know, sports PTs have either heard of or taken. Um, so those are all really great recommendations that hopefully other people, you know, can use and, you know, add more, I guess, weapons to their, to their quiver, I guess. Um, so a, lot, a couple more questions for you, Lee, uh, kind yeah. of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be you. Um, you know, it's probably varies day to day. So kind of tell us like, I guess, uh, home game day versus like what a regular practice day would look like for you guys. Yeah, the, the funny thing you say that, Chase, is that literally every day it's different. That's the funny part about it. 
So uh, to make it simple, I, I think that it will come down to literally a practice day or game day. So I'll just give a quick summary of what a practice day looks like and then the game day the, so everyone can see the difference. So on a practice day, uh, I, I pretty much will show up in, in the, the facility and uh, start on looking around things like medical supplies. Do we have enough for that um, for that day? And also at the same time, I also help um, give like a daily overview of like what inventory looks like. And then um, also start helping out with setting up the court with uh, medical supplies, um, anything that would help out the strength and conditioning coaches. Um, with managing exercise-related injuries or illnesses that may happen. Uh, and the course, got to make sure that the guys have plenty of um, supplies to rehydrate, uh, refuel themselves during practices. Um, so we'll get started off with that. And then usually this, the head athletic trainer, this head strength and conditioning coach, and I will meet real briefly to go over everybody that as a summary from what was said the previous day meeting. So everyone has their own game plan and how to approach that as well. Then the players show up. We'll do pre-practice rehab and treatment um, to make sure everyone is progressing pretty well with the direction that we want. And then we implement that entire game plan from there. Uh, so that can range things from doing the, the manual therapy aspect on the table, um, orthotics, bracing, corrective exercises, uh, taping, so on from there. And then... The players will go out to start practice and they'll be covered by uh, the head athletic trainer myself. And then we go on from there, make sure everyone has a good practice. And then after that, we'll do post-practice uh, treatments, rehab if necessary. Um, make sure the guys have the right sources to refuel themselves and also at the same time give any suggestions on recovery. Um, so that way we can track everyone's progress on a daily basis. And then we'll, we, we will meet, like I mentioned earlier, and then um, delay, um, uh, transfer all that information to the appropriate people in the blue coats and the 76ers as well. And then that's pretty much what a typical practice day is like. Um, and then on a game day, um, so what we'll do is we'll get up um, and then uh, go to the facility, set, um, set up what we need to for um, our shoot around, the visiting team shoot around, and of course the game. So that's a, a, a long laundry list of tasks that need to be completed. And then we'll go through shoot around, go on from there, follow with every player that needs, um, you know, the rehab and treatment, and so on from there. Then the guys will go home for a few hours, rest up, and then um, and then everyone comes back for the game, usually a few hours before tip-off. And then we'll usually have set, a set amount of time set aside for each player to get the appropriate uh, treatments um, and, of course, the warm-ups with the strength and conditioning coach and um, game day lifts if uh, they want to. And then we go to uh, attend the game, uh, track everything there with terms of minutes, um, watch everyone, make sure they're moving pretty well and responding well to the rehab and treatment. And then when the game's over, we follow up again. Um, and then we'll collaborate with our team doctors if necessary and then go on from there. Very cool. Yeah. I think these day in the lives is, is great because it shows, you know, everyone in the sports world can have a different kind of, you know, nine to five or not any more, more so probably like a, a very early morning to a very late night. Uh, but everyone's is a little bit different. So I think it's great, uh, great insight. Um, how, do you have a, a favorite memory so, t so far in your time with the uh, Delaware blue coat so far, anything that stands out in particular? Yeah, so that's a tricky question because we've had a lot of great, uh, good memories, uh, a lot of successes. So um, I would say for me personally, 
it was when we won something called the Las Vegas Showcase. So what that is, is, um, you know, it's a, a tournament that happens every year, um, usually the weekend before Christmas. And, um, and usually it's a, a tournament where guys can obviously play the games, but uh, usually a lot of uh, NBA scouts or people from the front office will come attend uh, those games in case they want to call somebody up. So it's a really great opportunity for the guys to like continue to develop and also at the same time, in a sense, unofficially try out to the entire NBA if someone has an interest in you. So we were pretty fortunate to uh, win everything. Um, and so because we went and won the whole thing, I think our overall record at that point was like 15 and one. So like we definitely stood out from there. And at the, as a result of that, I would say we had, whoo, I want to say seven or eight, um, seven or eight NBA call-ups. Um, so at the time, that's when a lot of the NBA teams were calling up players from the G League to get ten-day contracts. Um, so, like I said, we had a lot of NBA um, contracts um, call-ups as well. And then at the same time, um, if you do really well in your first ten-day uh, contract, the team will give you the option on if you want to extend that contract so that actually happened a few times for some of our players and then eventually one player actually got signed to a three-year contract with an nba team so we saw the full spectrum but i think that part of that was based on how well the team performed and it really was like um, a great outcome of like you know showing us that hey this is how well our team performs in sports medicine and just the overall Delta blue coats and i felt like it was really a, a success on so many different levels and we felt really proud of ourselves, and it was a great preparation for the regular season that took place from January to April. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, um, it's no small feat that to have. I mean, usually it's great if you get one call up to your like home team, but to have seven or eight guys called up and you know one signing a three three year contract is is awesome. Um, so, last question before we get you out of here, Lee, uh, do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs um, who want to be maybe in your position or maybe want to work in college sports or whatever? avenue of sports PT they would like to be in? Do you have any advice for them? Sure. Uh, so it'll be a, uh, a few things. Uh, one, I think that um, that person should be deliberate in your aspirations as you work towards that goal. Take a uh, take a value in all of your experiences as you continue to develop um, into that awesome healthcare professional because, um, you know, everyone has good and bad experiences. But even if you had a bad experience, you still can take that as a learning lessons to really think of it as like something that really good, something really good happened to you. I would say that that's, those stand out a lot. And I would say uh, the number, and also another thing is this expression that I learned when I was a student was, uh, you know, in, in order for someone to be great, uh, you have to become uncomfortable. And as you experience those type of um, uh, experiences, you learn to become comfortable while being uncomfortable. And as long as you can take that as a learning experience, that's going to really set you out and, you know, help you really develop outside of your peers. And it really could help you work towards your goal. Um, I would say those are the big things I've learned over the years. And it's served me pretty well. And I hope that other young, younger healthcare professionals will learn that as well. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, doing uncomfortable things is where we grow. So I think that's great advice for anybody that's, uh, that's listening. Um, Lee, this has been great. Um, and I appreciate you coming on and taking some time out of your busy schedule. Uh, do you have any, um, anything that you'd like to plug before we get you out of here? 
Um, uh, I would say uh, for stars, thank you very much for having me here. Uh, this is actually my first podcast, so uh, uh, it's been a great experience. And uh, you know, I think that if anyone ever wants to contact me about you know my role or any advice, they can look me up on LinkedIn or they can look me up on Instagram. Um, and shouldn't um, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that uh, they have. Okay, awesome. Well, I Lee, for a first podcaster, you did great. Um, and I will make sure, you know, I put your name down below so they can find you on LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, and with that being said, this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. And thanks to our guest, Lee Applequist, for coming on. If you liked what you heard from today's podcast and want to hear more from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.